So if you start to see failure, not as something that you need to tackle for you, but something you must overcome for others, I think it really changes the way that you see your current failures and your future failures as something to be embraced. What's up everyone and welcome to Studying Failure. I am your host, John Egan, and my goal is to normalize the conversation of failure. I want to help you realize three things. One, you're not alone in your failures. Two, your failure is not final. And three, your failures do not define you. Each week, I'll bring on some incredible guests that will not only share their failures and their journeys, but will also give extremely practical advice on how to change the way you view your failures, setbacks, and adversity. This week's episode is all about purpose, purpose, purpose. We talk about the four elements that purpose is made of. We talk about how you can find your purpose and how you can go about finding your purpose. We also talk about how your purpose can help pull you through the failures, help pull you through the nose. There's so much that I love about this episode. One quote that I love is right near the end of the episode. Gabrielle says, when you start to train your brain to look at failure as feedback for how you can help other people, you're going to not only learn faster, but you're going to start to recognize that absolutely everything is redeemable for purpose. Guys, I am telling you that from minute one to minute 40, it is absolutely powerful. This is an episode that you must take notes on because there is so much good stuff from the very beginning all the way to the very end. And then take a quick screenshot of the episode and tag both Gabrielle and myself and then send this over to one friend because again, this episode is so good. You will not want to miss it. So guys, without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode with Gabrielle Boucher. What's up everyone and welcome back to Studying Failure. Today, we are hanging out with America's number one millennial expert, Gabrielle Boucher. Gabrielle is a millennial strategist and one of the most booked millennial motivation experts in the world. She is the founder and president of the Millennial Solution, which is an international training and consulting company bridging the generation gap. She's a two-time best-selling author and TEDx sensation who has spoken on stages with top performers in the world. She's developed millennial engagement strategies for presidential campaigns, top military generals, and Fortune 500 companies. Gabrielle and her husband's most recent book, The Purpose Factor, has received some extremely high praise from people such as The Rock, Lewis Howes, and Marie Forleo, just to name a few. So Gabrielle, holy smokes, thanks for being here. I'm so excited to hang out with you. This is going to be awesome. It is going to be awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. Like I said, I've been looking forward to this ever since we connected a while back. Um, I, I, I read a little bit about Purpose Factor and then I was reading about you and I was like, oh my gosh, like I have to have her on my show. Like she's, she seems incredible. Um, so I, I want to start off with something that's right up your alley, right? Like talking about purpose, right? Because because your most recent book is about gaining extreme clarity for why you're here and, and then what to do about it. So 
I mean, just to start off, like, how do people go about finding their purpose? Yeah. And that is the big question, right? That's and the that's question. Where, <laughs> that's what the question we're all, we're all looking for. And that's the question you'll find when you, when you pick up a copy of our book, um, mm-hmm. the purpose factor, but yeah, that question of who am I and why am I here is just right. this existential question that every single person on the planet is going to have at some point. They're yeah. either going to have it due to circumstances, maybe a layoff or a breakup or a loss of a family member or friend. They're going to have it based off of this, the stage of life that they're in, if they get divorced or have a kid or their kids move away, um, or they're just going to have it when they're trying to figure out what to do next. And what mm-hmm. we're learning is a lot of people, especially during COVID, where so much of the normalcy of life has been disrupted and people have more white space on their calendar, more and more people are really asking some of these big life questions, like what's my purpose? Why am I here? And what should I do with my life? And so sure. purpose, I think a lot of people have a confusion around purpose. They either think purpose is the same thing as passion, which it isn't. They think that purpose is something that you pursue on your free time or maybe during retirement. It's not. It's for now. Or they think that purpose is just kind of this fluffy platitude that's nice to have but not necessary. And so we actually define purpose as what you have inside of you to help other people. Really super plain and simple purpose is what you have inside of you to help other people. So once you get to discover your purpose, you really start to understand the power of it when you start to use it at work in how you love people, how you serve people and how you grow your impact, your influence and your income. Mm -hmm. Ooh, that's good. Um, So do you think, because from what it sounded like, it sounded from what you were saying, it sounded like people's purpose can kind of shift throughout their life, like when they have kids to when their kids move away. Is that accurate to say? Like, can people's purpose shift at different times throughout their life? Or is it like, once they find their purpose at like 30, 35, 23, whatever it is, like, that's their purpose from then until the end of time? Yeah, great question. That's a huge question we get asked all the time is, does my purpose change? And the answer is no, it doesn't. Who you serve with your purpose changes. So if you're a stay-at-home mom, your purpose may be the same, but now you're helping your kids and your husband and maybe your community versus if you're an executive or a retiree or a volunteer somewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think it's important to realize that your purpose doesn't change because if you think that your purpose changes based off of your life, then you're constantly chasing something versus constantly serving someone. And so I like to think of purpose almost like like a block of marble, like you're constantly chipping away at it. So you're yeah. still discovering. It's still a process. I mean, I discovered my purpose when I was in my early 20s, and I'm still, you know, over a decade later, still chipping away at it, still getting more clarity, still understanding how can I better serve people? And Uh I think part of that is because purpose isn't just a thing. Purpose is made up of four elements. So the four elements are, number one, your natural advantage. So the role you tend to play in a group. Uh Number two, your acquired skills, the abilities that you've developed throughout your life or experience. Number three, your pull passion, the problem in the world that you want to solve. And number three, your origin story, the moment or series of moments that have most shaped your life. And so those will um, kind of evolve with you as you grow, but your purpose really is that collection of those four things together. And once you identify your purpose, what changes is who you serve your, who you help and serve with your purpose and what you help them with. Sure. So your focus just shifts a little bit, but your, your purpose always stays like the rock or the center. It's just kind of shifting to where you're putting your energy at. 
Exactly. The revelation is the same, but the application changes. Come on. Come on, Gabrielle. That's this is too good. We're only five minutes in. Come on. <laughs> um, so those four elements that you just mentioned, and and how, how did those tie into you finding your purpose in in your early 20s? Like, had, had you already decided on like, okay, these are the four elements and and this is how I find my purpose? Or like, did those four elements kind of develop out of, oh, this is my purpose. This is kind of how I discovered my purpose. Yeah. And the process of purpose discovery for myself and then Brian, my husband, who we wrote the book together, we run the purpose company together, um, really came out of necessity. We didn't really... Hmm graduate from college thinking we're going to become purpose experts. That wasn't the case at all. It was something we had to solve for ourselves. Like most people are in twenties. We were told by parents and mentors or friends, find your purpose. Mostly because we were just a collection of a hot mess. Like trying to, (laughs) you know, I had launched, you know, podcasts and YouTube shows. I had um, tried to audition for um, parts. Like I was literally doing everything that I could to try and get in front of people and be seen or discovered. Because I felt like, and I think a lot of times, especially if you're young, you're kind of taught that way, like sit and wait and someone will discover you. It's like this this American um, work hard mindset, which I think Mm -hmm. is powerful as a principle, but is actually really dangerous in application because it teaches you that it's just about hard work and not about strategy and knowing Mm -hmm. what direction you're applying your hard work. And so Mm -hmm. that's where I was. I was the hustler. I was the grinder. I'd started my own company at the time and I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting traction and I wasn't finding fulfillment, even though everyone told me, quit your job and be your own boss and, you know, hustle life and rise and grind and all that other crap. I I started to to live that lifestyle and I woke up one day and I was miserable. I was not Mm -hmm. fulfilled. I thought I had pursued this lifestyle that it was going to make me more free and more influential and it really wasn't. And so Brian was kind of in a similar situation as well right when we got got together when we first met and then we eventually got married I think like 10 months later or something. And through it, we started to recognize people kept saying, find your purpose, but no one told us how. And so that really started this process. It took over 15,000 hours of us researching and applying these principles to say, Mm. okay, what do popular religions, ancient philosophies, modern motivators, what do they all say about purpose? Because Mm. something so important that we all believe we should find should have a process. And so we started to distill these principles. And what we found was they had these four elements in common, which I just shared with you. So Uh that's really how the process became a thing. And and really we stumbled upon it accidentally where we started to, we first used it on ourselves and got clarity about how to redeem the past so we can develop the future and how we could really use the skills, relationships, and insights that we had developed to help other people. Mm-hmm. And then we started to help friends and family and then friends introduced us to more friends and it became this movement of people first finding and then applying their purpose became a movement. I like that. But it all started with you guys first, essentially, I mean, doing what Malcolm Gladwell said, outliers, right? Spending like 10,000 hours applying it to yourself first and realizing like, oh, shoot, people need this, right? Mm -hmm. People, people need this. Like, it it wasn't just like the two of you being like, man, what in the world? And you guys opened up your eyes and you're like, whoa, everybody else around us too. Like, there's, there's not really a, it's not really a plan to find that purpose. It's just like, hey, find it. Good luck. (laughs) 
No, it's true. And that's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I give to people who are interested in becoming an entrepreneur, becoming an expert, an author is what problem have you solved for yourself that you can solve for other people? And that's really how our whole company started was really us realizing that we didn't know our purpose and people mm. kept saying to find it, but there was no process to follow. And yeah. so process metric and data people, we kept saying there's got to be a better way. And that's really how we were able to develop it and test and track it. And so we've um, taught this purpose discovery process to the United States Air Force and Naval Sea Command. We've taught it to um, major um, government agencies like um, uh, HHS. We've you know worked with major companies like Expedia and Comcast. So we've been able to wow. get this process, not just into the hands of individuals who are trying to figure out what's next, but mm -hmm. really see its application in a corporate environment, which I think is pretty powerful. Because can you imagine what our companies would look like if people wow. found their purpose and applied it at work? Wow. Wow. I tell you what, that would make that would make people a lot happier to go into work. And it would help people look forward to Mondays rather than look forward to the weekend. That's exactly right. And so recognizing yeah. that that work isn't just work, but mm -hmm. it's not that four letter word that you should really regret going into. Work is a platform for you to be able to use your purpose. And that's, yeah. I think, something important too. A lot of people think, oh my gosh, I'm going to find my purpose. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start a nonprofit. <laughs> I'm going to go into business for myself. Like that's it. I'm going to quit and start all over. And that's not really what purpose is for either because purpose is vocation agnostic. It's not defined by the role that you play. So again, you can be staying at home. You can be in transition. If you lose your job, you it's not that you don't have a purpose anymore. You're, the platform to use your purpose just changes based off of the mm -hmm. people that you're serving. And so mm -hmm. that's, I think, really powerful for people who are maybe in a job transition, trying to find meaning and fulfillment, recognizing that where you're at, you're perfectly positioned to use your purpose. You just have to get clarity on what it is and how to use it. Yeah. No matter where you're at, you, you have to find it like where you're at first. Like don't always chase, like it'll be here. It'll be here. It'll be here. Cause if you're doing that, you're just going to always chase. You're going to always chase no matter what position you're at, no matter what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and it fools you, I think, into thinking that that momentum is progress, but it's not. So yeah. you think, oh, well, you know, the grass is greener on the other side of this grad school or on the other side of this relationship or on the other side uh -huh. of my kids moving out. And so we attach our permission to pursue our purpose to these arbitrary moments in our lives that either aren't going to come or when they do come, we just set another fake goal and start pursuing it. Right. And so that's why I think that this season has been really amazing for people going into COVID. Brian and I were really intentional to say, you know, this can either be seen as a crisis or we can see it as a gift. And mm -hmm. everything is about the mindset, the perspective you choose to see the world through, especially during this season. And so, yeah. you know, if you're in a position where you're like, I really need to figure out what to do next, you have to shift your mindset and stop waiting for the those moments, opportunities, and, and breakthroughs to come to you. You have to take responsibility for yourself and recognize that you have a choice. And right. that was my big aha moment in my 20s was when mm. I first discovered my purpose was I recognized I have a choice. I can choose to live the life of my dreams or I can choose to sit back and wait for people to come to me. And I, I kind of felt like, you know, like Rapunzel up in a, in a castle tower or something waiting for people to come save me without realizing that I had everything at my disposal. I had everything in my power. I had my purpose inside of me. And that mm -hmm. was the permission I needed to move forward. Wow. So you said that it was built out like 
it was built out of necessity, right? Like that's how you found your purpose. Um, and then, you know, you were just saying like, Hey, like I, I figured it out for myself. So how did you go about found, like figuring out for yourself? Like, did someone speak in your life or were you reading? Were you listening? Were you just like stuck at a dead end job? Like what was that necessity? I guess that helped you kind of push you to find your purpose. Yeah, it was a collection of moments. And frankly, it was a season. So I had always kind of known I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to be an author. I knew that I wanted to have a platform to help other people, but I didn't know what my message was. Sure. And so I hear that from a lot of people where they say, I know I have something inside of me. I just don't know what that is. And that was mm -hmm. me. I was living that every day where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to have you know a podcast. I'm going to write books. I'm going to do all these things. But I just don't know what I'm going to talk about. And, yeah. and it was this frustration of feeling like I had a voice, but nothing to say. And so I had the series of moments where I first um, met with my mentor who um, lives up in New York. I had gone up there just to have someone to kind of talk me through it. And she was one of the first to kind of tell me, you know, you, I hear you that you want to have a, a have a message and be a messenger, but you you don't have your voice yet. Mm. And so that was very very humbling to have someone who I mean she was the one of the first VP women VPs at Deloitte. She's like a complete badass. I absolutely love wow. her, but wow. she spoke so much truth into me to for me to recognize I had talent, but I didn't have direction. Sure. And so I was just kind of sitting and waiting, and, and that was one of kind of the first moments I recognized that I'm not on this trajectory that I think that I'm on. Uh -huh. And and I think a lot of times, especially as young people, we have the next plan. We have like the next six months, we have the next, you know, 10, 10 months, we have the next two years, but we don't have the next sure. 10 years. Sure. And so I had these really big dreams, but I had no idea how it was going to happen. And mm -hmm. so I had these big ideas of like, oh my gosh, this is where we're, I'm going to end up. But I had zero strategy on how to get there. And so that- you didn't have a map. I had no map and, and I had no, nowhere even to go, nowhere to f go and buy a map. Like if I could even <laughs> like go and be like, is there a model out there? I could follow, I can follow it, but I didn't, sure. I didn't even have that. And so mm. one of my big moments, I remember I was at a conference and I was working as a development director at a nonprofit. I was the worst fundraiser you have ever met. John. I literally <laughs> would be like, Hey, if you want to give, you can, if you don't want to, that's totally fine. You don't need to. I was just I raised zero <laughs> I was the worst fundraiser. But I was at this fundraising conference in Hawaii. And I remember I had this moment where I was kind of reevaluating. I'm a huge believer in changing your physical location to change your mental location. If you yeah. can't seem to get unstuck, go for a walk. If you can't leave, go for a run, um, go on a weekend getaway, go on vacation by yourself, go and get with your own thoughts. So that's what I did. So I spent a week in Hawaii and really had um, some really important reflection moments. And that's really when that phrase or almost that mantra came to me was you have a choice mm. because I was now in my early 20s and I was experiencing what a lot of us refer to as the quarter life crisis. I was like, I did everything. I went to grad school. I did undergrad. I'm one of the first people in my family to go to college. I'm the first person in my family to get a uh, graduate degree. Wow. I had a good job, but I wasn't happy. Sure. And so I couldn't explain away the feelings of not feeling fulfilled. And so that was really one of my moments where I, I recognized that I had been holding myself back because I felt like I had to do what was expected of me versus sure. what I expected of me. 
And so I think that it changed my accountability structure to stop looking for permission from other people and to recognize that my purpose was my permission. And when Ah. I discovered that, when I got extreme clarity about my purpose and how to help other people and how I'm uniquely wired to help other people, everything else changed. And so that's really when I think I got so much clarity and direction. And that's really when I started to truly experience momentum. Whereas Mm -hmm. before it was start, stop, wait for inspiration, go to a coffee shop, write out a business plan, get distracted. I mean, I did it all. But once I found my purpose, I realized that that was the permission I was looking for. There was really no stopping me. Game over. Game over. I love it. Well, so you you posted something on Instagram today talking about fear. And I think it was, was it when you left that job, right? And your, your boss asked you if you were afraid. Is that accurate? Is it yes. from that job? Yes. And you said something that I, I, I immediately found very, very interesting. You said, for every moment you stay stuck in fear of failure, there are thousands of other moments of fulfillment waiting to be had. As you pursue your purpose, you will multiply those moments and start creating a life where your happiness and success will be on demand. And I love that. I love how you talked about fear of failure because fear of failure, I mean, that's one of the main reasons people stay put. Like that's that's one of the main reasons people don't move or people don't take action on whatever their dream is, whatever their goal is. So how do we move from the, oh crap, I might fail. I don't want to be embarrassed. I'm just going to stay put right here. So how do we move from that to the, yes, let's do this. Let's rock and roll. Even if I might fail, let's do this. Like, how do we do that? Because that's scary, but it's, it's something that we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that there's the concept of failure is so important to understand. What do you believe about failure? I mean, everything in your life comes down to beliefs from Mm -hmm. what you eat and what you don't eat to what you wear to how you treat your partner. I mean, everything comes down to beliefs and the same thing is true with failure. What do you believe about failure? Do you Mm. believe that small failures are inevitable or should be avoided? Do you believe that big failures are embarrassing or something to be celebrated? So you have to really focus on what do I believe about failure? Mm -hmm. Now, the majority of us spend our most of our days trying to protect ourselves from failure. So we edit ourselves on social media so that we don't embarrass ourselves. (laughs) We, um, you know, try and avoid awkward conversations with people that we don't know because we don't want to look like idiots. Um, Mm -hmm. We don't go after, um, you know, big relationships or big connections because we don't want it to come back and, and make us look silly. So, so much of our life is really focused on protecting ourselves from the embarrassment of a failure. Sure. And so if you, sometimes we think of that as responsible, but it's really selfish. Interesting. So if you look at your fear of failure as you feeding your ego, I think it really changes the perspective you have about failure Uh as failure is just really your fear of failure is protecting yourself from embarrassment, which is really just feeding your ego. Sure. And so if you change your mindset to recognize, I will help far more people through my failures and overcoming my failures than I ever will by being silent, be protected. Uh I think that you really change the mindset. 
because people will do far more for other people than they will ever do for themselves. They will lose weight so that they can stick around longer to be with their kids. They will save up money so that their best friend can go to college. Um, They'll lift up cars and jump in (laughs) front of bullets for other people. Uh So if you start to see failure, not as something that you need to tackle for you, but something you must overcome for others, I think it really changes the way that you see your current failures and your future failures as something to be embraced. Gabrielle, I'm going to be honest. I've had so many people on the show and I haven't had a single person define failure in that sense. And and I love that because it takes it takes that shift off of you and say even though I might fail, my failure can help, you know, be the key to unlock someone else's success. Right? Like and I think that's so that's such a a that's such an important mind shift that, that people need to, to make, I mean, that, that completely takes it off of you. Right. And it's almost like, shoot, if I fail, I'm helping someone. If I succeed, I'm helping someone either way. It's a win-win. I love that definition, Gabrielle. I think that's really, really important and really, really key. Yeah. And I think it, it really empowers you to be able to have that freedom. Cause I know we talk a lot about failing forward and embracing failures and celebrating failures, but some failures shouldn't be celebrated. Some failures shouldn't be embraced. Some failures need to, I think that there needs to be some responsibility that's been had. I mean, I have so many failures in the past that were either failures of omission or failures of commission. Either I didn't take up an opportunity that I should have, or I, you know, pursued something that I shouldn't have, or I didn't use wisdom or prudence or, or responsibility. And, and that's something that you should really, you know, stop and reflect on. And so I think sometimes we can over, we can almost over celebrate failures, like failure is inevitable. I think it's so great. No, it's not. Failure sucks. And there is, there, there's a reason that as humans, we do so much to protect ourselves from failures because your body has a physical reaction, your palms sweat, you get really like muggy feeling, you have that feeling in your stomach, your body physically reacts to failure. And so we can't just gloss it over and say, oh, well, it's okay, we'll just move on from it. It's something that our bodies are so wise. And so our bodies will actually tell us when to pay attention, like that Mm -hmm. feeling in your stomach that you're not comfortable at your job, or you feel like this relationship isn't going to work out, or you're terrified that you're going to die and not leave an impact. Your body is physically reacting to what your soul and your spirit and your mind are thinking. And so it's almost like waking you up, like tapping on the shoulder, like pay attention. And so the same thing is true with failure is we need to pay attention to our failures and we need to, Mm -hmm. again, spend some time reflecting on what did I fail at? Because of course, failure is inevitable. You're always going to be failing at something. But I also too think that it's important to recognize why is failure important to me? Why did I react in this certain situation? And why will I use this to be able to help other people in the future? Yeah, becoming very, very self-aware about that failure. And I think like you mentioned too, like don't gloss over it. Failure sucks. Failure is very painful. Like, and it's not something that people want to go through. Like, it's not something that you wake up and you're like, oh yes, I'm really looking forward to potentially losing my job and losing all money that I have to be able to pay for my family. Yes. Like, or I am very excited to get turned down by all these job interviews and all these publishers. Like, awesome. No, man, that sucks. Like we don't want to go through it, but yet it is, like you said, it is inevitable. And if we can 
if we can turn that, make that shift to being like, Hey, like this can help someone either way, whether I succeed in this or whether I fail at this, either way, it's going to help somebody. And I think that's key. I think yeah. that's really, really key. Um, so speaking on, on failure or on what most people could perceive as failure, when you and I connected last week, you said that your book purpose factor got turned down initially by what was it? 63 publishers. Is that right? Yeah. It was something like 69 or 73 or something. Yeah. It was crazy. Holy smokes. Like after five, after 10, after 20, heck, even after one, that's when a lot of people will just stop. Right. And be like, well, I guess it's not meant to be, you know, like, or man, I've gotten, I've got turned down 50 times so far. Like there's this, this isn't meant to be, I'm trying, I'm putting my heart out there. It's not working. So how did you guys keep going after so many no's after so many perceived failures, right? Like putting it out there, getting rejected, putting it out there, getting rejected. How did you guys keep going and just keep pursuing until you finally got that one? Yes. Yep. Yeah. I mean, we did stop. Um, we, we definitely took that as, okay, there's something here that's off. Either our pitch is off or um, us as people are off. Okay. And so you have to, I think when things like that happen, you can't just keep barreling through. Because I think sometimes people are like, just keep going, you'll find someone. Right. Well, yeah, but maybe you need to stop and realize that you're not ready or sure. the industry isn't ready. I mean, it's a product market fit question really more than anything. And, and I think we recognize that pretty early on is that we said, okay, we believe in this message. We believe in how we want to help people, uh-huh. but maybe the message isn't mature enough. Okay, And so I, that's really what happened. And so it took about two years of us. We pitched and we pitched our hearts out. And then we came back and we said, you know what? Maybe we're not ready. And so we mm. had to then reevaluate. We needed to test the concepts more. We needed to build out some more structure. Brian and I, we wrote the book together. We needed to learn how to run a company together. We could do a sure. whole podcast on failure of of building a company with your partner. I mean, that's, that's a whole other topic. That's tough. That's it's, tough. It's extremely, extremely difficult. And so even during that season, though, what I would say is that we, we practice gratitude on a daily basis. So hmm. Brian and I always say three things that we're thankful for, and one of them has to be something that we're thankful for about each other. And that daily Ooh. practice of gratitude really helps redeem the crap. So mm-hmm. even in the midst of that, we could see because we had a pra- daily practice of gratitude that as we were getting these rejection letters, we're like, hey, I'm really thankful that it didn't work out with that person. I'm thankful that something better is coming on or I'm thankful that that they probably recognize I'm not ready either. And sure. so I think that there's you know a recognition that you know sometimes failure looks like it's just not the right time. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's not... Um, the right idea. And and sometimes it's just um, not the right pursuit. And so you have to pay attention to the no's in your life. You can't gloss over them and say, well, you know, they rejected me. They're, you know, they don't see me for who I am. Sometimes it's like, yeah, but that's because you didn't really work on your brand enough. That's sure. because you actually need to reconfigure your pitch. And so it's that processing and that feedback that you're getting from those no's that we really in the moment were able to switch and say, we need to create, you know, maybe this isn't the season for it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, we were really intentional. I mean, we were living in Washington, DC. We got all those rejection letters and we were like, we need to figure our lives out. So 
Wow. We moved to a tiny town in Lynchburg, Virginia. Shout out Lynchburg. And <laughs> we started a business together. So started working together. It was a very small town, but there was nothing to do. So all we could do is work our little butts off, wow. learn how to work together, learn how to write together and really kind of start over. Very cool. And even in those two years, it felt like a failure because I had my dream was living in Washington, D.C. I lived there for about six years, seven years. And I was, I felt like I was moving away from what was, I thought my dream, but I had to start paying attention to the feedback I was getting from the market, realizing, you know what, Gab, you actually need to use this as a time of transition. And again, back to this concept of you have a choice. I said, where do I really want my life and my impact to be? Do I want it to be in politics? Do I want it to be in the nonprofit space? Do I want it to be in the corporate space? Uh-huh. Or do I really want to help people? Yeah. And so we took a really intentional approach back to changing your physical location to change your mental location. And we took it really seriously to say, you know what? If 63 publishers said they're not ready, we're probably not ready. So how do we sure. get ourselves ready? So it took okay. about two years and it was a really yeah. intentional journey. And then we got the call one day that a couple publishers were interested in us. And and here we are today. Wow. So a couple things really stand out to me with that, Gabrielle, is that like you guys, you, it, it's almost as if your minds were already prepared for that, right? Like you guys had already done the mental work to prepare for that. So it wasn't like when you got this, no, it wasn't like this earth shattering, like, you know what I mean? Like you guys were already, had already done the mental preparation for that. Um, two, you guys stayed consistent with working on it right? Like you were, cons- you guys stayed consistent with it. And I feel again, I feel like that's where a lot of people will fall short is that if they get all those no's, all those rejections, they'll be like, well, this isn't for me. And then they won't stay consistent with trying to find another path. They're just like, all right, that's it. Yep. Got the nose. And all right, I'll just go try to settle something else. Right? Like, but you were like, no, like this is my purpose. This is our purpose. And so we're going to stay consistent working at it. And I guess that's the value of finding that purpose. If I'm right, is that oh, like, you're no, so right. that purpose is just going to like keep pulling you, pulling you, pulling you, no matter when you get those no's, no matter when you get those rejections, like it's going to pull you and you might, you might be resistant of it, but like, it's going to pull you from what it sounds like. Yeah, it, it definitely does. And that that pull is the people that you're going to help. And I think that's the big difference is if you think your purpose is a product or you think your purpose is your passion or you think your purpose is anything outside of helping other people, you're going to get burnt out, tired, exhausted, and fatigued. But if you know that your purpose is what you have inside of you to help other people, because mm-hmm. purpose, a, a lot of times people will be like, yeah, Gabrielle, like your purpose is your why. Um, it's not why is your motivation? So your why could be your kids or it could be, you know, making your ex jealous or it could be, sure. you know, building the biggest company in the entire world. Whatever that why is for you, that's amazing. But motivations mm-hmm. can be good and they can also be not so good. Mm-hmm. Um, but your purpose is really more of a question of who. It's mm. first, who are you? And secondarily, okay. it's who are you going to help? Okay. And so when you start to really understand that that everything around purpose is who, I think it really starts to shift your perspective about where you're applying yourself, your life, your time, and making it others oriented. Because again, you'll do far more for other people than you will ever do for yourself. So when you recognize your purpose isn't about you, 
And pursuing your passion may sound great, but passion is fleeting. That The dictionary definition of passion is a barely controllable emotion. Really? Which... Like that's it, the actual definition. Yeah, that's the Oxford Dictionary definition. And what a terrible piece of yeah. advice to give people. Like, follow your barely controllable emotion. You know, get paid for your barely controllable emotion. Like, no, I think you should probably see a specialist. That sounds like you've got an issue. <laughs> they have people but, for that. Like, they I know. Have people yeah, you can talk to. they have for that. Yeah, but. I, so many people really think, well, if I'm not passionate, I shouldn't be doing it. But passion's so fleeting. You can be passionate about latte art. Like you can be passionate about human trafficking. They're not the same thing. And uh-huh. so understanding that that passion grows as you grow. So there's okay. a, number of, a number of studies that have actually shown that your passion increases the more fulfilled you are. And the more fulfilled you are uh, is connected with your proficiency, so how good you are. Mm-hmm. So you may not be passionate about your work right now, but that's probably because you're either new at it or you're not great at it yet. Sure. And so increase your skill set, increase your ability and proficiency in how you help other people, and you'll start to see that passion come along as well. Wow. So those three Ps, uh, passion, proficiency, um, and uh, purpose, they all kind of tie together, but it all, it all starts with your purpose, right? Like, yep. start on the journey to, to your purpose. purpose, start on the journey to your purpose. Is it is it fair to say that like, you might find your purpose and might not be passionate about it? So part one of the core elements of your purpose is your what we call your pull passion. Okay. So pull passion is different than, you know, a typical passion or a passion could be, you know, a hobby or something you enjoy doing, but a pull passion is the problem in the world you want to solve. Mm-hmm. Because as humans, we're all problem solvers. Every industry, every company, everything is about solving problems. And so if you understand that your life is about solving a problem for people, you can start to see where passion plays a really important role in that. Yeah. So your pull passion could be you know, gender inequality, or it could be racial injustice. It could be human trafficking, or it could be um, access, getting access to free Wi-Fi in the inner cities, whatever that looks like for you. But understanding uh-huh. what problem in the world you want to solve, you'll start to uncover what that passion is, that pull passion that is going to pull you out of bed every day and, and wake you up in the middle of the night and get you excited and yes, even get you motivated. Sure. So that's what I think a lot of people, um, when I talk to folks who are wondering what's next for me and how do I figure out, you know, what do I do with my life? They're yep. usually looking for some sort of uh, momentum or motivation, but Momentum comes from motivation and motivation comes from clarity. So getting clear about who you are and getting clear about where you're going, I think really unlocks the power of being able to not only find your purpose, but but use your purpose as well. Oh, mama. Jeez, there's some good stuff in those last couple minutes, Gabrielle. Oh my gosh. Um, <clears throat> well, I know we got to wrap up and this conversation has been incredible. Um, this has seriously been awesome. If anything, it's made me more excited to go get your book. Um, and I hope it has made the listeners excited as well. So, um, where can people follow you? Cause I know on Instagram, like you're, you're putting out so much good, valuable content. So where can people find you? Um, how can they find your book? Uh, what, what's the best place to, to access you, Gabrielle? Sure. Yeah. And they can follow me on Instagram at Gabrielle Beauchet, really easy to find there or on LinkedIn, Gabrielle Beauchet. I'm um, spent a lot of time on LinkedIn as well. And if they want to pick up the book, um, they can find it on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I think it's even at 
Target. So um, check out the Purpose Factor, Extreme Clarity for why you're here and what to do about it. Um, Brian and I are super proud of it. Um, we've just gotten so much positive um, feedback from folks. I think you mentioned like The Rock and Simone Biles and Lewis and wow. so many amazing people have come around and supported this book, which I think is really a reflection on um, just the season that people are really looking for meaning, not only right. meaning in their work, but meaning in their life. And so we're right. really thankful that we're able to provide a process to help people unlock their purpose and how they get to use it to help other people. Wow. Well, I tell you what, um, before the final question, I am very thankful that you guys didn't stop after those 65 no's, like that you guys just <laughs> kept going. Like that's, that's incredible. It's a game changer. It's a, it's a world changer what you guys are doing. And it's really, really cool. So one last question for you is you get 60 seconds, you get one minute, you get to look into a phone, you get to look into a camera and you get to give 60 seconds of wisdom on failure and success to people. And it gets sent directly to people's phones. And so we all know that as soon as it dings, people pick it up and look at it, right? No matter what it is. So you get 60 seconds to give advice, to give wisdom on failure and success. What's that 60 seconds that you're sharing with people, Gabrielle? Yeah, I, I think so much of the perspective of failure is how you're going to use it. So everyone is overcoming something. You've either mm -hmm. overcome something in the past or you're currently overcoming something. And that overcoming is you overcoming that failure, the perceived failure. And so mm -hmm. when you understand what you're overcoming and it's not something that happened to you, it's something that happened for you, yes. you can then start to redeem what it is, that whatever that failure moment is, that embarrassment, that mess up, that breakup, that loss lost opportunity. And when you start to recognize everything that's happened to you has really happened for you, you start to then reposition that failure as something that's going to benefit other people. Mm. Every time you're experiencing a failure, constantly look around and just train your brain to say, who can I help with what I just learned from this? Because when you start to train your brain to look at failure as feedback for how you can help other people, you're going to not only learn faster, but you're going to start to recognize that absolutely everything you're in your life is redeemable for purpose. Yes. And that's really where that that power comes from from the inside when you recognize that 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 failure that you've experienced, that failure overcome, that failure overcoming right now. Because we're all uh -huh. currently failing at something. So <laughs> right. when you start to change that perspective and start to think about who can I help with what I'm doing right now with what I've overcome, that's mm -hmm. really when you finally get to beat that failure and have that failure work for you. Ooh, that's so good. Gabrielle, this was awesome. Seriously, I've loved our conversation. I appreciate you so much for coming on. This was a lot of fun. I appreciate you. Oh my gosh. Thanks so much for having me. I love the conversation about Phil. You're doing amazing stuff with this podcast. I just want to thank you for having me on as a guest and having real authentic conversations around failure. We need more people like you out there giving people tools to think about failure differently, to process failure differently, and um, to really redeem this this conversation around, around failure. So I'm super stoked for you. Love this podcast. I'm so glad I got to be a part of it. Wow. Gabrielle, thank you so much. That means a lot. I would love to have you and your husband on at some point to talk about the failure of growing your own business together. I think that'd be really interesting. So oh yeah, be, be on to the be lookout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gabrielle, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Didn't I tell you that episode was going to be good? 
I mean, Gabrielle gave so many little nuggets, so many little takeaways that you can just scribble on a little sticky note and put on your computer or put somewhere at home that you can look and see throughout the day. I mean, little, little nuggets such as redeem the past to develop the future. My purpose is my permission. Pay attention to the no's in your life. If you look at the fear of failure as you feeding your ego, your perspective on failure changes. Guys, there's so much good stuff from the very beginning to the very end. So I ask you, have you sent this to one friend yet? Have you forward this to somebody and let them know just how powerful this episode was? What were some takeaways for you? How has this episode helped you find your purpose? Guys, I implore you to not let this just go in one ear and out the other. Apply this to your life. Make the daily practice of gratitude help redeem the crap that you've gone through or that you're currently going through. There's so much good stuff in this episode, guys. Also, be sure to go and purchase the Purpose Factor as it gets into even more detail and then follow Gabrielle on Instagram. As again, she just gives so much valuable information on the day to day. Guys, if you aren't already subscribed to the Studying Failure podcast, go and find it on either Apple or Spotify or Google and subscribe as each week we have some incredible guests come on the show and share how you can use your failures to achieve success. So until next time, my friends, start to train your brain to view failure as feedback for how you can help other people. By doing this, you're not only going to learn faster, but you're also going to start to recognize that absolutely everything is redeemable for purpose.